And that people say, they're like, how do you do it? You just seem to do it with so much grace. And I'm like, well, that's very sweet that you think that. But let me just shoot you straight. Hey, Mama. What do you think of when you hear the word success? Fame, status, and fortune? What about rocking your baby to sleep or coaching Little League? Advocating for your special needs child or mastering meal planning? Maybe going back to school or starting your own business? The truth is success looks different for us all, and it may change depending on the season of life you're in. After finding myself in a dark place, I decided to set an example for my two boys by intentionally choosing what I wanted for my life and seeking it, even if it was scary. And now I'm so excited to bring you stories of other moms who are living out their version of success. I plan to ask these incredible women not only about their journeys, but how they are making it through the madness and the magic that we all know as motherhood. So, whether your assistant just brought you a hot espresso or you're rocking your baby on a third cup of reheated coffee, settle in and get ready for some goodness. I'm Shannon Carruthers, and this is the Successful Mama Podcast. Coffee first, and then 100%. (laughs) Well, hello, Mama. Welcome back to this episode of the Successful Mama Podcast. I am your host, Shannon Carruthers, and I have the sweetest guest today. My goodness, you guys. I just love, love, love Erica Hardesty. She is from Noella's Flower Shop. I shouldn't say that. I should say she is. She owns Noella's Flower Shop. She is not from there. She is so much more than that. So you guys, we're going to dive into this today. Um, You know that we tell all the stories we want to share about what success looks like Mm -hmm. and how it looks so many different ways. And one of the best ways that we can do that, um, in my opinion, is not just by looking at your business, because that's very great and successful and, and shows what you have done and where you've come from. But like we want to go back and yeah. look at the, you know, the the tour detours you've <laughs> taken and like the twists and turns of your story because I think we get so much more out of that and it's very relatable. So anyway, all of that mouthful to say, welcome to the podcast, Erica. Thank you for having me. I adore her. She's incredible. <laughs> Seriously, we got to meet on Gaslight Alley. I've gotten so many friendships yes, from Gaslight it's, Alley. It's so good. And if you're not local, she is talking yes. about at Stove House in Huntsville, yeah. Alabama. And that is where her shop is located. So a flower shop called Noella's. Yeah. And you should go get some flowers there. You definitely should. <laughs> yes. Um, and so Erica is the sweetest. You're you're really going to love her. We're going to talk this, this episode a little bit just about her journey, about um, motherhood in the early days, because yeah. she has a little, little one and running a business amidst all of that. So as you know, we can get bits of wisdom from each other's stories, whether we're in that actual season of life or we're in totally different seasons and our lives look completely different. So I hope you will get ready if you're driving or if you're sitting at home with your cup of coffee. Mm. Just tune in and here we go. I love it. Yeah. So Miss Erica, if you want to just get started and tell us just a little bit about you. Absolutely. Well, my name is Erica Hardesty. I started off as Erica Hadaway. Um, We were laughing. She was saying my name on Facebook is Erica Hadaway Hardesty. And people, whenever they see my initial maiden name, they sometimes forget that it's... I'm married now because it's such a similar last name, but it is Hardesty now. Um, But my husband's name is David, love of my life. I adore him. And then we have a nine-month-old. Can you believe that? I really can't. Nine months old. And her name is Charlotte Rose. And I'm just going to say she is the cutest. (laughs) I... See, I would say I'm biased, but I also... Stepping away, I'm just like, you're just a really cute baby. And I mean, her dad and I, we're, we're cute, but we're not that cute. That's, I don't know where that came from. I, I can tell you guys are beautiful, by well, the you're way. You're sweet. Thank but you. But <laughs> I say the same thing about my kids because like when they were little, now when they were little, you know, the baby squishy phase, yep. you never know how that's going to go you, when they're first you born. You just don't. You just don't. <laughs> but after that, like, I'm always like, man, we have beautiful kids. Yep. And I'm not just saying that because I think they're beautiful as their mom. Like, I will I will attest you have stunning little ones. They're handsome, you. rather. Yes, yes. And I will say, too, so I have boys. We have, um, we've got our two, which I will have to say on the last episode, at one point, mm-hmm. I said I had a five and seven-year-old, which is what I've been saying for forever. Okay. A few minutes later in the episode, I said, he is six. <laughs> He is actually six now. He just turned six. Okay. So I have a six and seven year old. 
but anyway, we all we are in a family of boys. So yeah. the cousins on my husband's side, there are eight grandsons, no granddaughters. Okay. I grew up with a family, like all of our friends, all of my family, like we were, it was all boys around me. So I've always been surrounded by boys. So I will just say that when I get to go in and see Miss Charlie Rose, that is my girl time. Like the snuggles. She is so precious. (laughs) She's a sweetheart. We adore her. Yes. So anyway, um, anything else you want to share? I kind of cut you off. No, you're fine. Yeah, we've got Charlie. Yeah. So her name's Charlie Rose. We call her Charlie Rose. David calls her Charlotte, though. Really? Like, he likes the very traditional. Yeah, it's so I want a little, um, little edge. A little spunky. A little spunk. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's our little family. We have a Boston Terrier named Theo. Love him, too. He's the love of my life as well. Dogs are the He's best. The sweetest. But, yeah, that's just our humble little family in I Sweet Home it. Alabama. Yes. Well, um, so we're actually with Erica's story. Now, Erica, I'm just going to go ahead and say. Okay. You are only 27 years old. I am. I, just I hope I got that right. I just yep. realized I didn't ask that. No, I just wrote I... <laughs> it down like, I think she's 27. In April, the end of April, I turned yeah, 27. So all that you have done and gone through and accomplished and where you are, like such a huge deal at 27 oh, years old. Um, so I just feel like I need to say that initially before we get into the story. Um, so I want to go back to just not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it all happened kind of it fast. It did, yeah. So let's go back um, and and just tell us a little bit about a little traveling, a little, yeah. you know, sightseeing, Absolutely. a little a little world tour you had going on. Yeah. So I went to Auburn University in 2014, which feels like forever ago. Yeah. That makes me feel so old. Um, oh, hush, girl. <laughs> But started at Auburn University in 2014, graduated in 2018. But during my time there, I really had some unique opportunities to travel to unexpected places. Um, I've always had a love of travel. I've always just that wanderlust feeling has always been me, still is, but it's a different season of life and that's okay. Um, But I have had the opportunity to travel to Israel, to Paris, to um, Africa. I got to go for a month on an internship. It was a missions internship. We stayed in Swaziland. Oh my goodness. So just a magical experience, obviously difficult moments um, for sure, but I feel like on those different trips, I got to encounter um, so many different things that really shaped me and molded me into who I am today. A lot of the things that I am getting to walk out now um, started and were rooted in those times that I was um, in different parts of the world. So there's a lot of different pieces that come from the different places, but um, I would say my heart for flowers, and we can get into this later if we want to, but my heart for flowers and my heart for um, the nonprofit Make It Matter that I have both kind of started um, or were really birthed on my trip to Paris from some different things I saw as I was walking and just my times with the Lord. My husband and I are believers, and that's just a big part of our story. So um, a lot of that was birthed there. That's but, awesome. Yeah. So cool. And it's it's funny, isn't it, how like our stories are coming together when we don't even realize it. Like those moments years before. It's true. And actually, I'm going to use this this little break. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a good segue into my story. And I think I've told, a maybe I've told a portion of this on the podcast before, mm-hmm. but my story with my husband, I actually went to church camp when I was 12. Okay. And I met this guy there. We became friends. We He was older than I was. We lost touch. And then years later, I was 18. Mm-hmm. I went back to this church camp and I saw him there at 18 years old. It's been years. Mm-hmm. And we reconnected. We got to be friends again. His best friend is my husband. No way. And so I like to say that like our story was being planned long before because if I didn't go to church camp when I was 12 like there's no how would I have met him there but anyway I'm telling you that because this episode is actually going to air on our 15th anniversary so special isn't that crazy amazing so when you said you feel old 
I feel old because I can say I've been married for 15 years. Like that is insane. That's incredible. We just had our four year anniversary on June 1st. And I'm like, and I don't say this in a bad way. It's in a sweet way, but it feels like it's just, it's hard to remember life before him. Yeah. And I mean that in the best of ways. Like it's just. Well, and we have almost reached, we're not quite there yet, but we've almost reached the point where we've been together longer than we haven't been. That's wild. And that's a weird feeling. That is wild. It's really strange. So anyway, I had to throw that little tidbit in and shout out to my amazing husband. Happy anniversary. so sweet. Um, And so with that being said, let's continue on into your story. And so you, these things are leading up to this place. So you're at Auburn University. So you're deciding to major in social work and where did that come from was that what you always wanted to do or you just so i was one of those and maybe this well maybe you guys have had similar um situations like this but i was not the kid that knew what i wanted to do from the get-go um all of my friends i feel like knew they wanted to be nurses or doctors or teachers and all of those things sounded great. And at a time in my life, I thought I maybe wanted to be a nurse or maybe wanted to be a teacher. Um, I knew without a doubt that I was made for something bigger than I could do on my own. Um, I always was a firm believer in that and had incredible parents that just encouraged us and empowered us to to really go all into what we wanted to do and be the very best versions of ourselves. Um, But I knew I wanted to help people. And with knowing that, I knew it wasn't going to look conventional. And it's funny I'm saying that now because what I'm doing is the most unconventional (laughs) thing compared to what I thought it was going to be. But I did a lot of research my senior year. So if there are younger folks listening, don't feel bad if you don't know yet, because my senior year is truly when I decided, yeah. um, and it still has changed since then. Um, but I loved the idea of social work because it was very broad. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different avenues you can go with that. You can work in the hospital. You can work with foster care and adoption, a lot of different areas. And so um, I grew up an Alabama fan. Real time. Right. Mm-mm, War Eagle, baby. But <laughs> I broke my father's heart when I told him that they were going to be giving their money to Auburn University. Oh, my goodness. So um, went there and it was, I mean, some of the best memories of my life yes. happened to Auburn. The social work program was absolutely incredible. And I just learned so much. Um, so knew I wanted to get my degree in social work. I did. I graduated in 2018. But during my time there, like I was saying earlier, I had all of these trips that happened. And through my time, which if you're okay with that, I'll kind of share a little bit about yeah. what happened in Paris yeah, to kind of give that full full picture. So I'll actually back up and start in Africa. So my it was the summer of my freshman year, like between freshman and sophomore right. year. I always had a heart for missions and for adoption um, and things of that nature. And so the Lord opened up a really cool opportunity for me to travel um, to Swaziland, Africa for a month. That's in South Africa. And just get to serve that community. And I had heard people say that had been before um, – just that when you go, you're expecting to go in and make an impact, but you're truly the one that's impacted right. um, at the end of it all. And that totally happened with me. Um, I was young. I was dating a guy at the time, doesn't, isn't my husband, um, but was dating a guy at the time. And just remember having this longing and this desire to just get married and have a family and be a mom. But couldn't have those things yet because I wasn't engaged, wasn't married, and was not at a place to have kids at that time. Um, But just the Lord really placed in my heart that desire to be a mama. And I remember him speaking to me one day um, just as I was praying and just saying that you're going to be a mama to many. And I didn't understand that because at that season in my life, that wasn't what it looked like. You know, I still had to finish college. It just seemed so far away. But as you can kind of continue to get into my story later it it really does make a whole lot of sense as to um what he was saying in that moment but so that was where it originally started and that impression was put in my heart for foster care and like I said we'll get into that in a bit but um then I went to Paris 
I think it was my junior year summer, but went to Paris. It was actually a free trip. It what? Was really nice. What? <laughs> okay, hold on. How do you get a free trip to Paris? Because I went in on this. Yes. So it was um, a family friend that we knew that had a marketing agency. And he was traveling to Paris with his company to do a lot of marketing material, get pictures, videos, and things like that. And he brought me along to be a quote-unquote model. I am not a model, but just to kind of wear the content. Wow. And so I got a free trip to Paris. Amazing. Which was incredible. But to make a very long story short, during my time there, I was walking down the street and saw on a poster a phrase that said, make it matter. And I remember stopping and going, oh my goodness, I love that phrase. I could speak for days about that and go on and on about like what that means to me personally but just kept on with my day didn't really think much about it and we ended up getting um our flights got canceled because of snow that they were having in new york or something like that so we stayed three more days so sad darn Mm, hated that (laughs) but on my last day there i was walking and there was a little boutique Mm -hmm. and there was a shirt in the door or in the window and it just said, make it matter on it. And I was like, okay, I've like never seen this phrase before. And now yeah. I've seen it multiple times. And so I went in and they said it was a one of a kind shirt. There wasn't another one made just like it. And I bought it. Wow. And it's still sitting in my um, closet. I really don't like to wear it because I don't want it to get messed yeah, it's up. it's your only one. But um, that is where the phrase make it matter kind of originated. But I didn't know yet what that was going to be um and right across from that was a flower shop and I just remember thinking if I could merge all of these loves that I've had ever since I was a little girl I loved flowers never really wanted to pursue that because I wanted to help people and so as my story continues to unfold that's kind of how they both intertwined and came to be wow you know and I had in my notes there's a picture that you posted of the flowers Mm -hmm. there in Paris. And I wanted to ask you about that and how that impacted your story. And so I'm so glad that you took the time to share that because clearly it was a really big part of what was to come. It was. And it's one of those things, I always like to say this because when I tell people this story, they're like, oh, that must have been such an aha moment. And it wasn't. It wasn't some big magical whoa moment. Like, it just felt ordinary and it felt common and like an everyday thing. But um, I think that's a beautiful thing about life is we take a step back and look at all the puzzle pieces Mm -hmm. that had to so intricately come together for us to be sitting right where we are now. Um, And so I look back at that picture and remember that moment and thinking, these are really pretty flowers you know must be what must be a cool opportunity for this person to have this flower shop and then oh I love that phrase you know I could really say a lot about that phrase and that means a lot to me but now seeing how the two have come together and it's something so much bigger than myself yeah and and the words that came to me when you were talking about that was like the seed being planted yeah you know not to be yeah, pun intended yeah. there, right? With a little flowers, but um, Total but like, pun pla- yeah, there you go. So planting that seed though, and like it not really being anything, it's yeah. just there. Yeah, and then over the years, as that grows yeah. and then has flourished into what it is today, yeah. it's just incredible to see where those moments start and originate for us. Yeah, along the way. So, all right. So with that, then what comes next? So after that, I got back, finished my degree um, at Auburn during my senior year. So I was a nine-semester gal. I was supposed to graduate in the spring or the, yeah, the spring of 2018, ended up graduating in the like winter of 2018. Mm -hmm. So I had one extra semester because I failed Spanish three times. Oh, lo siento. Yeah. (laughs) It was a no for me. (laughs) I always like to say that. That was not my thing. My degree is in foreign language and international trade. So Spanish and business. So I just should have known you a lot sooner, (laughs) honestly. I could help. But I'm grateful for the ninth semester because I met the love of my life. So the Lord knows all. There you go. Even was there when I was failing Spanish. But I could really use some help with Spanish if anyone (laughs) wants to step in. Um, But 
met David, we both attended um, a local church there and were serving together and just became friends. And from that realized, I don't want to do life without you. Um, So really, really sweet. We graduated, got married, and then moved to Huntsville. Um, There was a period of time I was in Birmingham um, while we were engaged. I was actually living with my in-laws. They're amazing. The fact that I lived with them and can still say that is a good thing, thing. but they are incredible. But right before I graduated, I had yet to figure out what my job was going to be. I knew I've always had a heart for foster care, and you'll hear a little bit more about that um, as we go on in this interview. But I knew I wanted to work in a foster care agency or some type of setting where I was going to be making a difference in the foster care system um, and ended up... Let's see, I was going to graduate in a week and did not know what I was going to do. And it was, it was really difficult. It really was. I had looked for different job opportunities and nothing felt right. And it wasn't even that it just didn't sound fun. Like nothing was fitting the passion that I had. Um, So I I was waiting and trusting that the Lord was going to open up a door. Well, my best friend, um, her mom was at some conference and was sitting at a table and the lady next to her started talking about how she was a state director for a local foster care agency and was desperately looking for quality foster care social workers. And so Mama Prue is what I call her. Um, She started just talking about my best friend and I saying that it would be a great opportunity if we could you know, both maybe get the opportunity to do that. And so my first six months out of college, I got to work with my very best friend as a foster care. We both worked as foster care um, recruiters. So we were recruiting foster parents um, throughout the state of Alabama, doing trainings with them, um, getting them licensed, and then helping them walk through that journey of being a foster parent for a local um, therapeutic foster care agency. So kiddos who've experienced higher levels of trauma um, we were working with. And it was so special. Yeah. That is so, so cool. Yeah. So we did that. She ended up pursuing something else and is thriving. But um, I stayed for three years. So I started in Birmingham. And that's when I was living with my in-laws at the time um, while David and I were engaged. And then um, after six months, I moved to Huntsville. And he and I got married. And I have been here ever since. Yes. glad you're here yes here. i'm happy to be it's, here i grew up here so it feels good to come back yeah it's funny how we end up full circle sometimes it even though is. we don't did you see yourself here no Me oh, i did not want to be back no <laughs> no and it wasn't anything with anybody right. i just was like i'm gonna move to a big city same, pursue my dream same girl <laughs> i thought it was gonna be new york yep. and it was actually getting close to being i was looking at an internship there and then met david and um yeah, just wanted to be close to home. Yeah. Those boys change things, they don't they? They do. Same. Yeah. Same story. Did you? Okay. Yeah, because I was going to move away. Okay. I had only applied to colleges outside, like, big cities. Okay. And then I met him right after my senior year. And I applied to, or I ended up going to school to the closest school that I applied to home, which was four hours away. Okay. So then things changed. We got yeah. engaged and... Ended up moving right back here. Oh, that's so Which I so never sweet, imagined. Though. Like, I never imagined. And now yeah. I couldn't see being anywhere else. Yeah. I love it here. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yes. I just wish other people would quit finding out how incredible it is. I <laughs> am with you on that because the traffic, that's why we were in the Madison area, yeah. which is kind of where you're at. And we ended up moving to the Hampton Cove area because I could not stand Highway 72. It's intense. <laughs> it's intense. So, um, yeah. So you're back in Huntsville. Yep. You're doing the recruiting. Yep. Still for the same place just Still in, for the in same Huntsville. agency, okay. just in Huntsville. I oversaw the recruitment for the um, Huntsville office as well as the Florence office, okay. so just North Alabama gotcha. as a whole. And it was amazing. I I learned so much during that time. I was humbled. Um, I thought I was the little smarty pants that mm-hmm. came right out of college knowing all the things and quickly realized this is a ton. 
um, the system's really broken and it's going to take a lot more than one person to fix it. Um, we weren't meant to do it alone. We're meant to do this together and yeah, change is going to happen a lot better when we gather together and do it. Absolutely. Um, so I learned a ton. I feel like I got my foundational pieces and really got to see where the missing pieces are in the foster care system. Because um, it's really easy from the outside looking in to be like, oh, well, they need to do better here, here, and here. The social workers are horrible. The reality is they're overworked. They're underpaid. Yep. There's not enough of them. Yep. And a lot of times they're just underappreciated. Absolutely. And not that that's an excuse to not do your job well, but you will burn out really fast. Oh, for sure. Um, when you're overloaded like yes, that. Yes, absolutely. And it's not like it's just a light and easy job. No. Because it's there's so much weighing on you and, and it's just so heavy. So it then adding so on heavy. top of that, the fact that you're overloaded and overworked and yep. underpaid, all of those things that you said, but just being such a heavy topic really yeah. just adds fuel to the fire. Yeah, it um, it was wild. And just finding quality foster families was something, especially in Madison and Huntsville, I was like, this shouldn't be difficult. There's so, I just, I feel like I personally know so many incredible people that I was like, everybody should want to do this, but it's hard. Yeah, It is a big undertaking. And I just quickly realized it's a lot harder to find quality families. And these kids deserve that. They yeah. didn't ask to be in foster care. They didn't you know, wake up one day and say, this is what I want to do. No, I mean, it was not their choice at all. Um, And so I really took on the weight and often brought it home. um, Just that burden of finding a quality place for them to be. And for me to be able to go home at night and go to sleep and feel confident that they're safe and they're secure and they feel loved and wanted because every kid deserves that. Um, And I was so fortunate to have a loving family growing up. And I think it just opened my eyes to the fact that I want to fight for that destiny for every kid because every kid deserves that. So during my time there, my husband and I really started praying and just doing a lot of research trying to uncover what is the actual missing piece here? Because there's a lot of Band-Aids that we're putting on things as a system. Right. Um, But I'm real big about getting to the root issue. I can thank my mama for that. She was always big about, let's find the root issue and heal it from there. Not just the symptoms. Not just the symptoms. Let's not throw a Band-Aid on it. No shade on throwing Band-Aids on things. But don't stop there. Yeah. You know, let's, let's actually mend the wound. And as we just dove in and I did so much research during while I was full-time there the evenings I was coming home and just reading 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 researching trying to figure out okay what is the missing piece and one of the things that really um stuck with me was these youth who are transitioning out of foster care and independent living so in the state of Alabama when um a teenager turns 19 they can age out of the system. And so basically aging out of the system means you are no longer in foster care. You are on your own and best of luck to you. And it broke my heart because although these kids are 19 years old or maybe a little bit older, developmentally they're functioning as 12, 13, 14 year old. And I can tell you from a quality family that I grew up in, I did not have the ability to make good decisions for the at rest 19, of my life right. at 12, 13, 14, oh, yeah. let alone 19. Right. Um, and these kids are coming from severely traumatic backgrounds. Right. So it's not like they can just call their mom and say, no, hey, let they me, have no what do I do? System. Yeah. They probably don't even have a consistent social worker or foster family. Which is heartbreaking. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And there's no, I'm not putting blame on any specific thing, but it is such a broken system. And we look at incarceration rates. We look at human trafficking rates that are skyrocketing, homelessness, um, unemployment, all of these different things. A lot of the root issue with those are these kids that are coming out of foster care and that's not their fault. They don't. They just don't they have the just resources. They don't have the resources. To... They don't have the ability 
quite yet they can get there but yeah, of course developmentally they're not at a place to make that decision right. um and make quality decisions for their life and so david and i my husband began talking and just really felt like i i always knew what i wanted to do wasn't going to be conventional um but it was going to help people and it was going to be with foster care so we just started praying and i always had a love for flowers so to kind of tie the two pieces together, we started a nonprofit called Make It Matter The Collective. And the moment we knew we wanted to do a nonprofit, the Lord immediately laid on my heart that Make It Matter. That was kind of the phrase that had always been there. And so I always like to share with people um, kind of what Make It Matter means to me and why I named it that. So kind of going back to when I was in Africa and said, that the Lord laid on my heart that I was to be a mom to many, that I I kind of really started diving into what the meaning of mom was. Like, what is it about a mom that is so special and so unique? And I was putting things together, but you really don't know until you are a mom mm-hmm. what it really means. But I, I kind of traced it back to my mom, what I felt when I was around her. I felt safe. I felt loved. I felt worthy and accepted even when I screwed up. Um, I felt like there was a place and a person to come home to that was always cheering me on and rooting for me, even when maybe I didn't deserve it. Um, and I mattered to her. And so the Lord brought me back to, you know, that phrase of when he told me I'd be a mom to many. And in my mind at that point, I was thinking maybe I'll have a lot of kids or I'll adopt one day or foster. And he still could totally do that um, and have that a part of my story in the future. But he impressed in my heart as we started to make it matter that this is going to be a place where, you know, these kids matter. They were going to have a home to come home to, not just a physical place, but um, it would be a feeling that they were um, embraced, that they were loved, that someone was cheering them on. Um, someone was thinking about them, praying for them. Um, somebody was rooting for them when maybe no one else would be. And that no matter what they went out and did, if they screwed it up royally, they had someone to come home to that was still going to accept them. Um, and so that's where the name kind of originated from. Um, and we started the process. And to give a little bit of foundational pieces, I know I'm talking a lot, but there's a lot to uncover. Um, what Make It Matter is, in a, um, in essence, is we are working to raise $7.5 million to build an apartment complex for these youth who are transitioning out of foster care. Um, It's not just a place for them to be, but it's really a mentorship program. So it will be a two-year-long program where they come in um, and they are assigned a mentor from the moment they start to the moment they finish. And the goal of it is to transition them out of foster care and into independent living well. So we don't want to enable them, but we want to give them those foundational pieces to help them succeed, thrive. If you look at research, studies show that if you have one caring adult in your life, I mean, it's just crazy how how much of a difference it makes in your future. Um, I have so many incredible mentors in my life and it it just has made such an impact for me and we want to do the same for them. Um, So we're working towards raising funds for that um, right now. And in the meantime, we're just helping meet those basic needs for our local kids in care. So if we hear they need a bed or whatever it may be, um, or just emotional support, we're we're here to help them in that um, until the time comes when we're able to actually have that housing for them um, and be able to offer that for them for free. Which is phenomenal. And I mean, such a, gosh, such a beautiful and inspirational concept, um, a need and and your desire to help people in doing this is definitely meeting that goal that you had your younger self. And I think it's really beautiful too, like you talked about the importance of community mm-hmm. and the importance of the fact that we can't do this by ourselves. Yeah. It not only shows through in your mission, in the fact that you can't raise, you know, you yourself, nope. you don't have $7.5 million. Sure don't. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of voices. It takes a lot of love and support. But also it shines through in your organization and what that looks like on the other side. Mm-hmm. Because it's then taking them from being 
by themselves yep. to being a part of a community. Yeah. And knowing that then they have that opportunity to create change as a part of a community, as someone who is supported and is not by themselves. Yeah. And so I think it's just a beautiful thing that it's like full circle from your mission to like what you're actually doing and to the outcome of it. So thank you. It's it's really exciting. And we um I think that's what we love about it. We know we can't do it alone. Um, I'm 27. David is um, almost 26. And we're not going to claim to know it all. But we do know what the Lord's placed in our heart. And we know that when he puts something in our heart, he's going to see it come to fruition. However that looks. It may end up looking nothing like I just said. And I'm okay with that. We both are. Um, But we know that we have a responsibility to see it walked out faithfully um Mm -hmm. and really with little fear of what it's going to look like on the other side you know if it again if it doesn't look at all like what i just said we're at peace with that knowing that we were told and we're spoken to what to do and we're just going to take steps one at a time um with what we feel led to do until we see it come full circle so the podcast you know we're it's not a a religious podcast yeah. we just share people's stories and yep. so a lot of our guests have shared their faith because yeah. that's something that's important to them and i think that it's you can't share your story without sharing yeah, that you can't and and so when i think about you and this idea that as a you know 24 year old you can come up with 7.5 million dollars like i would have never had the audacity <laughs> to to think that and i think there's a lot of people who who could say the same thing yeah. so but my goodness i'm so glad that you did i'm so glad that you you had that vision but where i mean i'm taking from your story that that strength and that ability to lean into something bigger comes from your faith. Is that accurate? Absolutely. I think um, I was always raised in a Christian household. And I think for so long, it was my parents' faith. Like I did things and went to church because growing up, that's what we had to do. They told us to. And when I was finishing up high school and going into college, it really, long story short, it really became my own. And I recognized that where I am today is not from my own doing because I'm a broken human being. We all are, if we're honest. And um, I, I just could not do it on my own. And so it's just been such an important piece of my story. Um, I think I have people ask a lot, you know, at my age, kind of what you're saying, yeah. like, why, how are you where you're at? Not that I've meet, met some high level of success, no, but just no, no, taking... No. Don't cut yourself short because you really... <laughs> I mean, you have achieved a lot at 27 and that's something that you should be proud of. And I know you want to be humble and you don't want to brag on it, but like you should also be really proud of yourself. Well, thank you. I think um, it's just one of those funny things where I can step back and look and be like, it truly would not have happened without the Lord because the confidence, the crazy, probably stupid confidence (laughs) that we've had some of the time to take those steps and just put ourselves out there and be okay with failing. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, with every step that we've taken, we felt a peace from the Lord and we have taken that step from that place of peace. We will not move without peace. Um, and because with each step we found peace, we're okay if we crash and burn because we know that the Lord's going to carry us through that. And really it's not a failure. It's just a lesson learned mm-hmm. and an opportunity to grow. And so, yeah, putting out there that little old me is raising $7.5 million. That, I mean, my knees were trembling. They still do. Mm-hmm. But I just have learned to say it with confidence because, again, as I said before, for me, if my God has called me to do it, then my goodness, he's going to see it through. Yeah. Um, and I just have to go in with that confidence. Wow. I love it. So we got to get going. We haven't even gotten to, yes, to Charlie. So, sorry. so no, I, we're having <laughs> or Noella's <laughs> or Noella's. <laughs> it's fine. Well, but I mean, I'm thinking like motherhood and or we're not that. even into motherhood yeah. yet. It so, all does play a role. It we, does. We will get it to does. it. It does. <laughs> and so anyway, so we, we move into then the season of how are we supporting yep. Make It Matter. So to tie it all together, like I said, 
<laughs> um, so we wanted a way because I was still working at uh, at the um, agency that I right, was at before, right. um, and we wanted a way to support the nonprofit. But unfortunately, social workers don't get paid much. So it really wasn't coming out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, David, what if we just start a flower truck on the weekends and we just take that money, throw it back into the nonprofit. And then when we have the com the apartment complex, um, we can offer Noella's as a place for them to work if they want to. And then they have that discipleship and mentorship there as well. Um, so my sweet husband found a rusted out 1963 Ford Econoline and completely restored it, built it out with the help of my dad. Um, and we had a flower truck. And it's adorable, it's by the way. It's so sweet. I love it's it. so Thank cute. You. Um, we had it for three months and it absolutely exploded, which was just crazy and humbling and so special. And... Um, ended up turning into a storefront now we have an event space next door that we house workshops and things of that nature we do weddings all the things and a portion of all those proceeds goes back to make it matter um and we will get the opportunity to employ the youth that are in the program if they want to pursue even any type of entrepreneurial thing yeah. just to be able to see it come um full circle and be a part of a growing business so right. that's so, so incredible yes, i love it i love the whole you, story the whole thing i just i knew that this you know which obviously meeting you was so fun you're just so sweet to be around thank like you. you're always you're always happy you always say hello beautiful you just make me feel good every time i walk you're in the sweet. room um but but truly like when I learned more about your story, I was like, I have to have Erica on the podcast. So like it's kind. so good. So, um, but one of the things you forgot to mention mm -hmm. in there is that you got pregnant amidst <laughs> all of this. So what, what happened? Like, tell me more about that story. Yes. So we, to be honest, people, a lot of people don't know this side of things, but I, um, I got COVID really, really bad right when it started. Mm -hmm. And had a lot of long-haul COVID effects mm -hmm. that, like, really, I had a lot of health stuff going on. Um, developed severe asthma. Um, had a lot of just, like, a lot of funky things. I know a lot of people have a similar story. So praying for all of you who do. Because it's, right. it's been a big journey um, trying to uncover everything. But one of the things that they actually said is a lot of times when you get pregnant, it's almost like it resets your body. Um, and kind of allows your body to heal because the baby knows the things that you need in order, like kind of your deficiencies and things. It's very, very interesting, but there's a lot of research on it. And I won't go too much into it because I'm not yeah. the expert. Um, but I always knew I wanted to have kiddos and also knew that there probably wasn't going to be a convenient time a quote unquote convenient right. time for that to happen. We right. weren't going to be super financially stable and feel perfectly ready. I don't right. think you ever feel ready. Um, so we prayed about it and we're like, okay, let's just start trying and see what happens. And the second month of trying, we got pregnant with Charlie and she rocked our world like they always do. Um, but that pregnancy healed my body. Wow. Genuinely. I, I felt better pregnant than I did before. That's insane. And I have felt amazing since. I'm so um, glad. That yeah. Is, that's incredible because like the things that I've heard, I mean, thankfully, nobody else that I know has been yeah. affected that severely. But like, my goodness, how incredible to have your pregnancy to feel number one, to feel better <laughs> while you're pregnant. Know. That's just amazing <laughs> in itself. But like to have that reversed. Yeah, it's... um. It's nothing short of a miracle, but we, and that wasn't why we got pregnant. We, I, we wanted kids for sure, but it just, it did kind of push us to do it in a very busy season of our lives gotcha. where maybe it wouldn't have made much sense. Um, but that happened in between the truck and the store being opened. Mm -hmm. So it was utter chaos. <laughs> I'm just not even going to say that lightly. It was chaos. Um, but you just hunker down and you do it and you figure it out. And I definitely did it imperfectly, but 
you know what? She's healthy and she's a happy baby. And um, we're just figuring it out one day at a time. That's all you can do, yeah, right? It's true. I mean, because I can't imagine like going back to those initial stages of like becoming a mom, which I had been around kids before, yeah. but like becoming a mom and yeah. all of those new things and no sleep and no nothing. So imagining going through all of that while also in a sense birthing like this business of yours that is new and you're trying to figure out all the things like you are thrown into like utter chaos right I mean (laughs) I I hate to say that but like really it it seems like that would be so overwhelming so what what was your strategy? What was your your goal? Like, or not goal, but what? Yeah. How'd you make it through? Um, it was overwhelming, and that people say they're like, "How do you do it? You just seem to do it with so much grace." And I'm like, "Well, that's very sweet that you think that, but let me just shoot you straight. Like, there were a lot of not grace moments yeah. <laughs> that my husband saw. Um, I mean, I truly had to just step back and take it a day at time, a day at a time. Um, give myself grace, recognize that I am one human. That's growing a human, and then now raising a human. Um, and there's so much grace there that we were never intended to do it perfectly. And if you have that mentality, then please, please let it go. No shame to you, but you'll just find so much freedom in knowing that we're all imperfect humans trying to figure it out. Um, I, I had incredible support. I live in the same neighborhood as my family, as my parents, so and my sister. So that has been so sweet because I just have so many extra hands that just love our girl so well. Um, but I, I think we really just had to step back, get our priorities straight. And that's something we still have to remind ourselves of. Um, not that I ever put the business before my family, but – in the moments where it's late at night and I feel like I need to work, you know, shutting my laptop and saying, you know what, this is something that I can pick back up tomorrow. But right now I'm going to love my child well. I'm going to love my husband well. Um, I'm going to do everything I can to make our house feel like a home, even though, and I know you're going to ask me this later, my house is an absolute disaster 99% of the time. But there's grace there. And that's where we work together as a family. David is such a hands-on husband. I mean, he's incredible, willing to help and serve his family however he can. And we're just, we're doing it one day at a time. I think that's really awesome. And just highlighting the fact that like, it's not all flowers and no. you know, oh my <laughs> sunshine no. <laughs> yeah because you know we were talking beforehand about how running a business yeah and people come in and they say it's it must be so great just playing <laughs> with flowers all day right <laughs> literally I usually hear that at least once a week if not more they're like that must be so fun playing with flowers and that part is fun um, there's also a lot of pricks in your fingers from the thorns. Yes. <laughs> um, a lot of pricks in my heart. Um, every time we have to pay all the bills oh, and yeah. taxes and have to pay late fees on taxes because I forgot to pay uh-huh. or rent comes out. I mean, trying to deal with it, raising a baby in the midst yes, of it. Yeah. It's, it is a lot. It's a lot. And it's really easy to look at it and think it's super glamorous. And I don't want to complain because it's amazing and we chose this. And I'm very always careful to, to say that this is something we chose to do. But even though we chose to do it and it may look glamorous, there are still so many difficulties, so many moments where I'm like, why did I not just stay at the nine to five job? Yes. Um, there are plenty of those. There's a lot of moments where as a mom, and being a business owner, I get nervous and wonder if I made the right decision for our family because, you know, yes, my husband works full time, but he he kind of blessed me stepping away from a salary and stepping into this job where it's hustle. You get it done to get a paycheck at the end right. of the day. Um, you're paying out a lot of money for employees and really taking a risk. But um, he believed in me and he believed in the vision. And so... There have been great months. There have been really, really difficult months. And I will always be honest about that um, because it, you know, from Instagram, it probably does look pretty glamorous. Right. Um, Caitlin does a great job. She does amazing. (laughs) 
<laughs> my sister does our marketing and she makes it look phenomenal and really aesthetically pleasing. But my life is not aesthetically pleasing. I'm just cracking up thinking of Caitlin one day, Erica posted like the super cute little, was it a reel? Yes. And, and Caitlin made her take it down. <laughs> She said it didn't go with the look of the feed, which is why I don't do that full time because I'm such like a let's just show them the real thing. I don't have any. And she's she's amazing. Yes, she is. But it's just funny. The difference is like the marketing degree versus social work degree of what is important and things like that. But but yeah, my, my life does not look like the Noella's Instagram. I, I don't get to sit there and flower all day. Yeah. Um, half the time, I'm trying to get my child to calm down so that I can get one task done at the store. But even in those moments, it's still beautiful because I think about the fact that one day I'm going to get to explain to my little one that she grew up in a flower shop and she got to see the imperfectly beautiful story and messy story of her mama trying to navigate motherhood, postpartum, nonprofit, <laughs> being a wife. I mean, all the things and not doing it well all the time, yeah. but I, still being okay with it. My goodness. I think that is the the best way that we can teach our kids mm-hmm. Is and that that's honestly what led me to doing this. Yeah, is I thought the same thing. Like I could just go and work a nine to five job, but I feel this calling. Yeah. I feel this thing that it will not go away, no matter yeah. the time that passes yep. or the things that happen. Like it just won't go away. And so I thought, what would I tell my kids if they were in this place? Mm-hmm. It's not the safe choice. It's not the most easy thing. Yeah, but. If you feel called in that, you know, to do something, stepping into that, giving yourself grace and just being that example for your kids. Yeah. Because I don't want to grow up being or I don't want my kids growing up with me telling them, oh, go follow your dreams. Go do the things that, you know, that you want to be doing in your life and then not setting that example myself. Absolutely. And so I think that what you just said literally just spells that out like so clearly well thank you i think something that was super important to david and i is when we we knew when we had kids and this i want to make sure i say this too like whether you're a stay-at-home mom or working nine to five or being an entrepreneur whatever it may be you're doing it beautifully um something that we specifically felt called to was that when we brought our kiddos into the world we didn't want to completely stop our world for them Um, and that I don't mean that in a selfish way but we wanted to bring them into our world and adapt our world you definitely adapt but you still bring them into that world you don't lay down all of your dreams and all of your goals and all the things that have been in your heart Um, if your heart and your goal is to be this amazing stay-at-home mom that's homeschooling or whatever it may be then you're chasing your dream. That's incredible. For me, it was being an incredible mom, but it was also doing something bigger than myself in the sense of make it matter. And the way that we're, you know, pursuing that is through Noella's. And I'm getting to see two really messy worlds, but two worlds collide. And it's a beautiful hot mess. And I love it. And and I think, again, you're you're like hitting all these points that I'm like, yes, that one, that one. But like what you just described is the point of this podcast yeah. is that success is not having a flower shop. It's not no. having a podcast. It's nope. not being a stay-at-home mom. It's all of those things depending on who you are and what who your you goals are. are and your dreams are. And so the fact yeah. that you have figured out that's that's what you want for your life, but also like the mom who is loving being a homemaker and like doing all the things for her kids. And like, that's so successful too. So I don't know how you do it. I mean, (laughs) truly, I'm like, I need to go sit and have coffee because I need to learn. Um, It's just beautiful to see there are so many incredible women out there just absolutely being rock stars for their family in however that looks for you. And that's beautiful. And that is a statement to, and testament to how incredible you are as a mama um, and how you're doing your version of being a mom so yes. well. 
Yes, agreed. So, so with that, that leads into our big question of the yeah. podcast. I mean, what a good segue. So what is success to you? You know, it's a really, really good question. And honestly, I saw you put that in the notes and I didn't even, I didn't want to have a rehearsed answer. So this is a very raw answer. Um, but my version of success, I think has changed throughout the years. I think if you would have asked me that in college, it would be to have a really sweet looking family, a cute house at the picket fence, um, perhaps a successful business. Um, but just the ability to stay home, be a stay at home mama. That was my dream at that point. Um, now it does look a little bit different. I think success for me is a little bit more on the micro level, not so macro, but just waking up every day, having a healthy family, not just physically, but just emotionally for us spiritually um, and truly getting the opportunity to bring my little one along for this crazy ride that we have um, and her seeing the imperfections in it. I know that's a very odd answer, no, but for this so stage of my life where I'm at right now, that is successful to me. Yeah. Um, no, I totally get it. I don't think it's odd. Yeah, one bit that's, that's, that makes perfect sense to yeah, me. Yeah, and that that still includes a messy house. Yeah, um, that still includes a scattered brain. That still includes a lot of fast food. Um, yes, and not a lot of exercise yeah. at the moment, but. But it's perfect for us and it's working. Yeah. And in this season, that's yeah. where you are. And yep. next season, your success version may yeah. look a little different. Absolutely. I love that. Well, with that, I want to move into our final questions because we got to get to that one about of the house. Course. But first, tell me what's your coffee order? Oh, goodness. Black coffee. I mean, that's easy. <laughs> I love black coffee. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have a favorite like bean or a favorite like, brand or? I do love, I love Charlie Foster's. Charlie so Foster's. they're at Stove House yes. and I'm not just, I am throwing them a bone, but also I just love Charlie Foster's. They're good. They have, they have this new thing where I think it's every week they change out the coffee roaster. Mm. So it's a different type of coffee from different, like different beans from different places. And love so that. I feel like I'm getting to experiment with a lot of different roasts and it's so yummy. So cool and yeah. convenient. I know. Right down, right down the, yep. the walkway. It's actually far too convenient. Mm -hmm. My husband would probably say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number two. How clean does your house stay on a scale of one to 10 on average? So, okay, like a four, if I'm just being super honest. But then that's like throughout the week in the craziness of the week. Yeah. Usually weekends, if I'm not doing a wedding, um, David and I, we do flowers for weddings. I need to say that. Yeah. Um, but... If I'm not doing flowers for a wedding, then David and I will kind of deep clean our house together. So then it'll get really clean for a week. And then we yeah. just kind of go back and forth. So I would reset. say I would give myself like a six. That's good. Yeah. On average. Awesome. Sometimes one. Yes. Mm -hmm. Definitely sometimes one. <laughs> that is totally, totally, totally true for me. Um, number three, a book or show you've recently loved? Oh, goodness. We, that's our like chill time mm -hmm. david and i we love binge watching netflix shows not everyone agrees with that but we love it it works yeah. for us i would love to say read books doesn't happen often um we loved yellowstone okay it's kind of on pause right now um i personally love emily in paris i can't imagine that yeah, your love shocking. of paris <laughs> <laughs> so those are our those are our not david doesn't like emily in paris but um we both like yellowstone a lot so awesome and last but not least, what's the most random item you have in your purse right now? Oh, goodness. Um, let me think. I would have to say Charlie's hairbrush. Yeah. 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 Pretty random. It is. I, at the moment, have um, a lime green squishy ball like almost yeah. imagine like, like a stress ball like a stress thing? ball it's it's my kids okay he gave it to me before i left as like a take this with you that's so precious that's in my purse right now i love those little like don't forget me while you're gone yep. take this stuffed animal or take this random toy yep. so that's in my purse right now so <laughs> that's precious yeah. 
anyway, well, thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. Your thank story you has for been so good and I'm grateful and I can't wait for everybody to just hear all of this. You guys, thanks for listening and we will see you next week on the Successful Mama Podcast. Bye y'all. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Successful Mama Podcast. For more information, head on over to SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com where you can find show notes and all of the links mentioned in today's episode. Tap that share button and remember to tag at Successful Mama Podcast. And make sure to go leave a review. It really does help. A special thanks to Will Carruthers. Until next time, remember Mama, success looks more than one way and it's up to you to define it.